Today our discussion point is generosity. Think it, speak it, do it. So I thought we would actually start out our discussion point today by considering two words, and they're words that appear many, many times in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. And these two words are generous and righteous. And as it turns out, they both come from the same Hebrew root. And um, perhaps we should have a little bit of practice at our Hebrew today. Are you all ready? This word is pronounced Sodak. So could we have a go at that? Sodak. It's got that guttural throaty sound at the end of it. Sodak. And it's a word which is the root of a number of Hebrew words that are used and they're variously translated in the Old Testament as righteous, as generous, and also as justice. And these are all concepts that are very, very important to God. And there were a few people in the Old Testament whom God considered righteous. People like Noah, for example. In fact, there weren't too many people who were righteous in the earth at the time that Noah was building the ark. Him and his family were the only ones. So as we're thinking about this idea of generosity today, let's bear in mind that it's a characteristic of those who are righteous. And if you've been following our discussion points here at Ignite Life over the last few months, you will know that we've spoken about what it means to actually be saved. And God actually sees us as righteous. We're no longer wicked people. As far as God is concerned, one of the transactions that happens at the time that we surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ and become his followers is the transaction of us being changed from wicked into righteous in God's eyes. And I want to come back to that idea a little later on. But let's take some, some scripture from the Old Testament. This is from the prophet Ezekiel. I'm actually reading through Ezekiel at the moment. And um, it's a fascinating book because it tells us of the, the story of God, in a sense, giving up on Israel temporarily and handing Israel over to her enemies. And one of the charges that God had against Israel was that they were no longer a righteous nation. They were no longer a generous nation. But this passage in Ezekiel actually records a discussion, really, that was going on between Ezekiel and God. And it was about whether or not you could be saved. In particular, were the sins of the Father visited on on the sons. This is only a short portion of that scripture, which makes it pretty clear that righteousness and generosity are very close relatives. So here we go. And this is actually God speaking to the prophet. Suppose a certain man is righteous and does what is just and right. He does not feast in the mountains. That was where they were offering up sacrifices to idols. He does not feast in the mountains before Israel's idols or worship them. He does not commit adultery 
or have intercourse with a woman during her menstrual period, and that was tied up with the law back in the days of ancient Israel. He is a merciful creditor, not keeping the items given as security by poor debtors. And there was a, a law in the Old Testament that said if you were to borrow from someone, you had to give them your cloak as, as surety. But the law also required that the person who gave you the loan gave you your cloak back at night because you would need it to keep warm and then you'd pass it back to the creditor the next day. He does not rob the poor but instead gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needy. He's a generous person. He grants loans without interest, stays away from injustice, is honest and fair when judging others and faithfully obeys God's decrees and regulations. Anyone who does these things is just and will surely live, says the Sovereign Lord. And that Hebrew word, sodak, actually appears in various forms numerous times in that passage. It has a legal connotation as well as a relational connotation, and we have spoken about this a few months ago. This idea of being a generous person or a righteous person has two dimensions to it. One is it's a legal standing before God that you've actually passed all God's tests, if you like, of justice. But there's also a relational context as well, and that is you're walking with the Lord. And in the Old Testament, the evidence that you were walking with the Lord was that you obeyed the law. And as we've mentioned before, and I will keep saying this over and over again, for us New Testament Christians, it's not a matter of obeying the law to demonstrate our righteousness. We actually do the things that God desires us to do because he has made us righteous through the shed blood of Jesus. So righteousness and generosity are very, very closely related. I want to focus now on just three things that we can do to develop as generous people. Do I? Yes, I do. The first is, think it. Think generously. Think generously. From Proverbs 23.7, we see here the context here is actually a stingy man who is giving a feast. He doesn't really want to give the feast, but he's invited you to join in the feast. But in Proverbs it says, Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That says, so is he. That must be Rod St. Hill's um, translation. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. So what that suggests is that if we think as a miser, we'll actually be a miser. And so when we're extending hospitality, none of our heart will actually be in it. So the first step to psychological health for a lot of people is to actually start thinking generously about those around them and about their own 
situation. I spoke a few weeks ago about good works and how important it is for us to think well of people and to think well in situations. That's the same thing as thinking generously. You know, it is so easy for us when we're hurt or when we're disappointed by somebody to think ill of them, to push any generosity out of our mind. And yet God knows that for us to be healthy people, we need to think generously of others. So think positively about them. Um, pray in your mind, blessing for them. Because Jesus said, why don't you bless your enemies? Well, you can bless your enemies simply by thinking generously about them. So the first step in developing as a generous person is to think generously of people. We know from our psychology today that it really is important to do that. And in fact, some of you may have read Dr. Caroline Leaf's work in which she suggests that we actually can be connected by thought and that as we think generously about other people, that will actually cause them to think generously about us. So according to the research that she has done, she has found or she's reported that in science we've discovered that simply thinking generously about people and about situations can actually change the way people react to us. That's an amazing thought. Now, who knows where that science will go? Uh, maybe it won't be shown to be uh, reflective of the truth. Who knows? But that's one of the great things about science. We can learn so much more about this world that God has created. We can learn so much more about how he created us and how we relate to those around us. But think generously and in all likelihood other people will think generously of you. The second is to speak it, to speak generously. And uh, many of us who have been around in uh, Pentecostal churches for a while will, will be very familiar with this scripture from Proverbs chapter 18. Verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I have absolutely no doubt about that. That we speak life or we speak death into our situation. In fact, in the book of James, of course, our tongue is described as the rudder on a ship. In terms of the overall uh, material that goes into that ship, the overall mass of the ship, the rudder is tiny. But yet it is the rudder that sets the direction of the ship. In the same way, our tongue, although it's not as big as our hand or our arm or our leg or our head, it's only tiny, it nevertheless sets our direction. I reckon that before I became a Christian, I was probably the most negative person on earth because I thought negatively 
and I spoke negatively and I experienced a lot of negative things in my life. I had this attitude that everything would go wrong, that I couldn't do anything right, that the whole world was against me. I actually spoke my world into being. And if I didn't literally speak my world into being, I certainly spoke my experience of the world into being. And one of the things I learned very, very quickly after I became a Christian, and I thank God for the little church that uh, I was saved in back in Christchurch in 1989. One of the things I learned there was to change the words that come out of my mouth, to speak positively, to speak good and not to speak negatively, to get, get rid of that um, spoken word over my life that everything was going to go wrong, that I wasn't going to succeed, I was never going to have enough money to do this or that. And I began to speak positively. In my own work situation, there are lots of circumstances that are against us. We're struggling with our regulatory framework at the moment. We're struggling financially. We're struggling to find appropriately qualified people to fill some of our vacant positions. So there are so many signs that are against us. So many signs that would say, give up on this ministry and go and do something else. But yet God spoke to me so clearly on Friday morning and he said, speak life into your workplace. Take the strategic plan. Part of our strategic plan includes a new building which will give us more space in, in order to be able uh, to present uh, seminars and conferences. And I felt God saying, you put your hand on that photograph and speak life into that photograph. Why is that? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we know that. There's medical research that shows that people who speak negatively, for example, about their health, they will experience what they speak. What you say you get. What you pray you get. That's a principle in the Christian life. People who speak positively tend to experience positive things in their lives. My good friend Dwayne Wigley just had his 60th birthday. And we were at his birthday celebration last night. He and I, he's just turned 60. I'm not too far behind him. But he and I agree we're going to live till we're 120. And it's amazing how many Christians we encounter when we share this with them. Say, look, we're only halfway there. We've got another 60 years to go. And people seem so surprised about that. Why would you want to live that long? I tell them because I haven't even got halfway down the list of people I want to upset before I die. <laughs> but the truth is, you know, there is so much we can do in ministry. There is so much that is good in this life. Every day is a precious gift from God. Uh, my daughter Ainsley, I can remember after she left school, she had a, a traineeship. She was doing a traineeship in childcare and she had a very, very difficult boss. The boss actually made life a bit of a misery for Ainsley, but I can remember some days the going was pretty tough for me, but as I was taking her to work, she'd say, Dad, today is going to be a good day. 
And she'd say that day after day after day, despite the facts that she was experiencing in her workplace. But here she is now, she's a director of a childcare centre because she spoke life into every day. She got that traineeship, she got a certificate three, then she went on to university and she got credit for that, that training and that experience which was credited towards her degree. And she got her Bachelor of Education in early childhood and now she's the director of a childcare centre. It could have been so different because she could have spoken death into each day of her experience. That might have led to her not actually completing that uh, traineeship and she might not today even be in the childcare industry. So remember that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, that is the tongue, will eat of its fruit. There's nothing surer than that what you speak, you will experience. So think it. Think generously. Think well of people and of situations. Speak it. Speak generously. Speak life into every day. Speak life into every situation. And the third thing is to do it. Actually live a generous lifestyle. Be generous in everything you do. The scripture that I have up on the screen there comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 to 36. It's just an excerpt from a much larger passage of scripture. And in here, Jesus is actually talking about the difference between sheep and goat nations. And he's actually talking about whole nations here. Nations being made up of individuals, so I think it does have individual application, but the context here is actually nations. And Jesus is saying, when he comes again, when he comes a second time, he is actually going to judge the nations. He's going to separate the nations into sheep nations and goat nations. And one of the characteristics of the people in the sheep nations are or is, I should say, one of their characteristics is that they are generous people. This is what it says in verses 34 to 36. Then the king, Jesus, will say to those on his right, they are the sheep nations who will be separated to his right hand. The goat nations will be separated to his left hand. And by the way, the right hand is the hand of blessing. Right? In, in, in scripture, the right hand always means the hand of blessing. So the king says, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. These are all acts of generosity. When you see someone hungry, feed them. When you see someone naked, cover them. When you see someone thirsty, give them something to drink. And that can sometimes be literally, not always literal, but sometimes it can be literal. 
Um, God really cares for the strangers. There in the Old Testament, Israel was told, look after the sojourner, the stranger, the foreigner in your midst. The, the sojourner, by the way, was someone who had actually turned from their path. That, that's what it literally means. Someone who had turned from their path and came into the midst of Israel, living as Israel lived. Those people, God said, you have to look after them. Um, I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Back in uh, New Testament times, and it's true in many nations today, the government does not provide food if you're in hospital or in prison. In fact, in many countries of the world, in the poorer countries of the world, if uh, one of your loved ones goes to hospital, you've got to provide everything. All the medicine, the bandages, all the bed clothes, everything. They provide care, but that is all. In prison, the family have to provide the food. The cell is all that is provided by the government. That's why looking after people who were sick and looking after people who were in prison was so important in Bible times. Things are a little bit different now, of course. We pay taxes and um, there's much provision in hospitals and uh, prisoners actually do get fed in, uh, in the jails these days. So our circumstances are a little bit different, but the principle does not change. Jesus intends for us to be a generous people. And that's expressed not just in thought, not just in word, but also in deed. Let me give you some encouragement. I mean, it can be so condemning, can't it, to, to listen to somebody talking about generosity. And often, you know, as soon as a pastor, even a senior pastor in training, as soon as a pastor starts talking about generosity, you think, the next thing they'll be wanting me to put my hand in my pocket and I'm giving them some money. And that's not our purpose here today. And I'll explain what our attitude is to that sort of thing as a church shortly. But let me give you some encouragement from Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 to 28. And this is the New Living Translation. I love the way it expresses it. Give freely and become more wealthy. See how strange the kingdom of God is? You give and you get back in return. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I love that. I love that. Give a drink to someone who is thirsty. Give food to someone who is hungry and you'll get more back by way of refreshing. People course, uh, people course, let me try that one again. People curse those who hoard their grain. I was going to say course those who heard their grain. <laughs> but they bless the one who sells in time of need. I actually use this particular verse here to demonstrate that God actually loves capitalists. Because capitalists don't hoard what they have, they sell it on, on markets. It's a source of blessing. If you search for good, you will find favour. But if you search for evil, it will find you. Trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish 
like leaves in spring. And you people will know, I think, most of you anyway, that my favourite word in the whole of the English language is flourish. It, 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 it has these connotations of a flower. When a flower is in full bloom, it's actually showing off in its colour and, and its form. If you see flowers dancing in the breeze, they're, they're a thing of beauty and they're just showing off. And, and that's what God intends for us, that we would flourish, in a sense, show Him off. And that will make us attractive to others. And He'll draw them into the kingdom as they see us flourish in every area of our life. So be encouraged by this. You know, there might be a cost right now of being generous. There might be something you have to go without. But this proverb assures us that we cannot lose by being generous. So think it, speak it, and do it. Think generously. Speak generously. Always be speaking life into your world. And act generously as well. I want to spend just a few moments explaining Ignite Life's approach to generosity. If you've seen our little About Us document, the little one-page document that explains the foundations of Ignite Life Church Gold Coast, you'll see that one of, the, one of the things we value is generosity. And we say that generosity is as natural to the Christian as breathing. And we say that because God has made us righteous through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And righteousness and generosity, as we've already explained, are very, very closely related. And I like to explain it this way. Because we're righteous, in order for us to be what I call fully fulfilled as Christians, we must be generous. Now we have to understand it doesn't go the other way. Generosity is not actually what makes us righteous. Generosity is the outcome of our righteousness in Jesus Christ. And it's our choice. In a sense, you know, Jesus invites us to be generous. We don't have to be generous. We're already saved. Yep, we're on the train that's heaven bound. There is no issue with that. But you can either just sit on that train and stare at your feet, or you can do something positive in that train and actually enjoy the trip. And so Ignite Life Church actually invites people to a generous lifestyle, not because we want to get something out of it, we don't want to get anything out of you, but we understand that by thinking generously, by speaking generously, and by doing generous deeds, then you will be more fulfilled as a Christian person. That's the sense in which we say generosity is as natural to the Christian as breathing. I'm sure some of you listening will be wondering where does tithing fit into all this? I will actually do a special discussion point on tithing at some time in the future. We don't have time to go into all of the details of tithing here today. But I've been studying tithing for 40 years, over 40 years now. I first started studying it when I was a 14-year-old high school kid. And I'm now almost 60, so that, how long is that? Is that 46 years? Well, I should know something by now, shouldn't I? Unless I've been making the same mistake for 46 years. <laughs> but I have studied tithing for 
well over 40 years now. And look, if we want to go into tithing in great detail, we'll see that most scholars would agree that in the Old Testament, there are three different tithes. There's the tithe that was used to just keep the, the um, religious system going. That tithe was paid to the Levites. That was 10%. The word tithe simply means 10%. There was another tithe that was used to cover a, a time of feasting and celebration for you, your household, all your slaves, all your animals. That was another 10%. So I suppose in modern times, we could interpret that as setting aside 10% to have a grand old holiday every year. And then there was the tithe of the third year. And there was another 10% that was set aside every third year for the purpose of supporting the widows and the orphans and the sojourners. That was really the only provision for social welfare in, in the Bible. All, all other welfare was, was private welfare, and we can talk about that at another time as well. But this was the social welfare system. And lots of people will say we should be tithing 23.3% of our income. Actually, it's 23.3333333333, etc., if you want to get down to brass tacks. But um, we, we don't really push that idea here. One of the reasons is that the law of tithing actually only applied to people who owned land. So most of us, if we were to apply the Old Testament law, most of us wouldn't be tithing at all. And of course, people who were poor, who were orphans or widows, they actually received the tithe. They didn't give the tithe. I, in thinking about it, I would say, look, if you really wanted to be very technical and apply the Old Testament laws of tithing today, it would be anybody who owns real assets like, like property or, or would book some financial assets like shares in companies. So I've got some shares in a few companies, so I should be tithing on the increase in those companies. Or if I own land, I should be tithing out of my flock or my herd or my crop. It's not going to work all that well today, actually. And the problem with it, of course, is that in the Old Testament times, tithing was a way to be righteous. In New Testament times, under the New Covenant, God already declares us righteous because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law and the prophets in their entirety. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, as far as God is concerned, like Him... We have fulfilled the law and the prophets. Let me explain, or let me just go on and let Jesus have the last word. This is what Jesus said. And this is not actually recorded in any of the Gospels. It's recorded in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And I believe it's Paul speaking here. And he says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm happy to talk to anybody about the Old Testament laws of tithing, how they came about, how they operated, but actually it's all trumped by what Jesus said. And that for the Christian, for the follower of Jesus Christ, this is the standard. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And that does not simply mean your money. 
In fact, you can probably do more good in the world by thinking generously and speaking generously than you can by simply giving away some of your money. I think it's part of it. Giving brings joy to Jeanette and me. Um, we're, we're so blessed that we're in a position to be able um, to give. And we actually do tithe into Ignite Life Church and we give over and above that. But the touchstone is always this. We give because we are righteous, not because it makes us righteous. We give because in giving we have a sense of fulfilment and a sense of peace. And I would encourage all who are here today, who are listening to the recording of our discussion point, that you consider the wisdom in God's Word. The wisdom that says, think generously. Always be thinking well of other people and of situations. The wisdom that says, speak generously. Understanding that your tongue can speak life or death into any situation. And finally, be a generous person in respect of your deeds. Do generous acts every day. And that can start tomorrow simply by going to work with a smile on your face and saying, good morning, actually believing that it is going to be a good day. So folks, with those few words, those many words, praise God, those wise words, let's uh, join together now and share in community.